600, page 361. And we're getting ready for the preacher to come. And bring here your word. 361, we have come into this house to worship. seated. I hope that is our prayer. We'll forget about ourselves and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Thank you, boys and girls, for that good, uh, good music to lift our hearts in worship. Matthew chapter 5, and it's Friday evening devotional for September 25th. Tom Barnard uh, tells a story about something that happened in October of 2002. He said, on October 15, 2002, the Associated Press carried a lighthearted story about Billy Graham. It reported that the Dallas Cowboys, honoring the distinguished life and ministry of Dr. Graham, presented him with a cowboy jersey with the name Graham on the back and the number one in large print on the front and back. Grant responded to the gift in a way that uh, demonstrated his unique sense of humor. He said, it has my name on the back and I'm number one. I may show up at the next game and see where they put me. Uh, Barnard says the evangelist had about as much chance of getting into the game as those unlearned disciples had in taking seriously their calling by the master, the Lord Jesus. Who would have thought that those 11, without Judas, of course, at this time, had the gifts and graces to change the world for Jesus? Yet they did. Jesus called them and they followed. The church of Jesus Christ was born. As I read that story, I thought about the many Christians who, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing the gospel, when it comes to sharing their faith, to getting out the gospel, uh, they feel like that's something best left to the number ones in our world, the Billy Grahams, the great evangelists. They kind of feel like Billy Graham would have felt had he shown up at that ball game to play quarterback for the Cowboys. He would have felt unprepared and overwhelmed. But listen to what else Barnard wrote in his devotional. Talking about those original disciples 
Who were those chosen people? Bishops, priests, prophets, the cream of the crop? Hardly. They were ordinary people called to do an extraordinary task. Were there any more gifted than you or I? No. The secret was not in what they were, but in what Jesus saw in them. And he concluded by saying, I believe there's a jersey somewhere with your name on it. It may not say number one on the front and back, but it's your size. You have been chosen. The Lord himself has called you. He wants you to show up at the next game. How about doing just that? You might be surprised to see where in the game he puts you. You may be a starter. I want to remind all of us as believers today, every Christian listening to me, that you have a role to play. God has placed you in his family. He's made you a part of the body. He's gifted you. We've talked about that in this series. He's equipped you and he wants you to share the gospel, his gospel, the story of the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ with other people. And in this final message in this series, I love my church. That's what we're going to be talking about, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We've been talking week in and week out about loving the church. And by now, if you've been here, you know, we're not talking about the building. We're thankful for the building. We're thankful for the facilities. We're thankful for these resources. But the church is made up of the people, the body of Christ. And we've been talking about loving one another. And it has an impact, if we'll really do that, that goes beyond these four walls. In fact, our lives should point other people to Jesus. Our lives should bring glory to God. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, if you found it now. It'll also be on the screen in front of you if you'd like to follow along there. Matthew chapter 5. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. These come right after the Beatitudes. And here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, the Lord Jesus says these words. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You... Are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your father in heaven. Now these few verses are very straightforward aren't they? Jesus says, as a follower of his, you are salt and you are light. You may not have realized that, but you are salt and you are light. You are salt. You are light. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're salt and you're light. But my question today is this. How salty and how bright are you? Are you seasoning and shining for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we're to be pure salt in a bright light. I think the passage is pretty clear. It makes a statement. You're salt. You're light. But then it mentions how these things, this salt and light can be diminished or can be lessened or less effective in the world. In other words, the salt that loses its saltiness is good for nothing but to be trampled upon, to be walked on by people. The light is to shine brightly up on a lampstand or as a city on a hill, not putting a basket over it to block its light. So I want to explore those two thoughts real quickly with you today and talk about the fact that we are salt and we are light. And as we think about this, we want to, first of all, realize that we want to be pure salt. We want to be pure salt. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 again. Look at it with me. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, some people read this and wonder, well, preacher, how in the world can salt not be salty? I mean, salt is salty. Salt has a distinct taste, right? If I were to serve you up, say I boiled some potatoes this afternoon and I give them to you and I didn't put anything on them. Most of you, probably a lot of you, what's the first thing you're going to reach for? Salt. You're going to say, where's the salt shaker? And you're going to put a little salt, a little pepper. If you're righteous, put a little butter on there. And uh, you're going to make them right just the way you like them. Salt, butter, and the whole nine yards. So how can salt lose its flavor? Well, I was studying this out. You have to realize what's being said and when it's being said here. The scholars tell me back in this time that most salt in the ancient world, back in those days, was derived from salt marshes or the like. And they didn't take seawater necessarily and evaporate it and get pure salt. They got it from salt marshes and places like that. And therefore it contained many impurities. And the actual salt, being more soluble than the impurities, could be leached out and therefore lose its saltiness. And lose its impact and lose its flavor and use what it's intended to do, leaving just a residue that was so diluted and so impure, it was of little worth and just to throw out so you could walk on it. So we we have to understand what's being said and when it's being said. This, This wasn't said in our day. It was said back then. And back then, in a sense, salt could lose its flavor. It could get mixed in with so many impurities that it was good for nothing. Now, think about salt for a moment. Now, if you have high blood pressure, don't think about it too much. I don't want you to get in trouble with your doctor. But think about salt and all the things you can do with salt. Think about the many uses of salt. Uh, Today, we use salt to, of course, flavor food. We've already talked about that. We use it to season our food and make it taste better. Salt also makes us thirsty. Uh, If you take in a lot of salt, uh, you're going to develop a thirst. You're going to quench that thirst. But salt is also a wonderful preservative. Perhaps you're old enough to remember preserving meat with salt. Uh, I think back uh, to, to smokehouses and things like that. And, and, and I think back to in the olden days where they would wrap meat in salt. But there's little refrigeration or no refrigeration. They would use salt to uh, preserve meat. And beloved, in the same way that salt does these things in our world, those of us who are believers should be doing the very same thing. As Christians, we should be seasoning our environments with our presence. In other words, our our presence should make an impact. We should be seasoning our presence. When people see the peace and joy and love that we have, it should make them thirsty to find out how do you have this and, and where did you get this and where can I get this? And just as salt can preserve a ham, think about the way that believers are to serve as a preservative in their environments, in our communities, in our surroundings. Why? Because if we live righteous lives for the Lord Jesus Christ, we help to push back the corruption. Imagine for a moment if you removed all the Christians from society, if you removed all of them, you removed the Christians and their influence. And one day, by the way, it's going to happen. It's called the rapture. And all those who know the Lord Jesus will be raptured out of this place. And of course, we've studied in days gone by. All hell's going to break loose upon the earth during that tribulation time. But as bad as things are in our world, and they are bad, aren't they? I don't have to give you a commentary on that. 
You can walk outside and look around. You can walk and turn on the news and the newspaper and realize that things are bad. As bad as things are in our world, imagine if there were no Holy Spirit indwelt believers living on this earth. You see, we're to be salt. But we're to be pure salt. That is, we don't want to be mixed in with a bunch of impurities and sin and things that would tarnish our saltiness. Beloved, there needs to be a difference between us and the world. The Bible is clear on that. And how sad it is when the salt loses its flavor because it's busy mixing with all the impurities of the world. We're living in a day, and I suppose it's been this way all along, but it seems so prevalent today to me. Where people want to have Jesus and the world. They want to have both. I want to be a follower of Jesus, but I want to have the world too. And the Bible says that's impossible. First John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now when it says the, their world, it's not talking about the world of people. We're to love people. God loves people. God so loved the world. When it says world there, it's talking about that evil world philosophy. The wickedness of this world, those things that are contrary to God's word and God's will and God's way. And so listen, if you're a Christian, you're to be salt, you're salt of the earth and you need to be pure salt. That is, you don't want to live a life where you're mixing in the world and sin and evil and harming your testimony and diminishing your saltiness and the impact you're having upon others. And so the question today is, how salty are you? Are you pure salt or are you? Good for nothing salt just to be thrown. That's what people do for our testimonies, isn't it? When, when we fail and, and we live a life that's mixed with the world and we live a life of wickedness and sin, people just can trample over our testimony. I thought you were a Christian. I thought you loved Jesus. I thought you didn't do those things. Now, I'm not saying any of us are perfect. We all fail. We all falter. I'm talking about choosing to try to hang on to the world. And Jesus, too, it can't be done. And so we want to make sure that we're pure salt as much as possible. God forbid that our testimony be so weak that people could just walk all over it. There should be a difference. There should be a difference between a person who's a child of God and a person who is of the world and do not and does not know Jesus Christ. So it's very clear we're to be pure salt, but we're also the light of the world. And so we want to be what? We want to be a bright light, a bright light. So hopefully you could take if nothing else to say, well, I don't usually remember much of what was said during a sermon. I kind of felt like you feel, I think, today in our deacons meeting. We had the reading of the minutes and uh, Blake Hildreth read through the minutes and and most of the stuff he read. I don't think most of us remember what we said that last time, but it sounded good. Wow, we did a lot. And I kind of feel that's probably how you feel Sunday after Sunday. I preached a long sermon. I got all these notes and I go through all this stuff. And you come back and you think, what did he preach on last week? Yeah, he preached on love my church. Yeah, but hopefully you can at least picture the salt and light. Remember that today. We're to be a bright light. Look at Matthew 5, 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Now, you might be conflicted in your mind because Jesus has said to us as followers of his that you are the light of the world. But in John chapter eight, verse 12, listen to what Jesus said. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, John chapter eight, verse 12. 
I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So how can it be true at the same time that Jesus says, listen, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Which is it, Jesus? Both. We're both the light of the world. How is it that we're both the light of the world? Listen, he's the source of the light. He is the light. We're the reflector of the light. Those of you who love science and uh, the sun, moon, stars and studying those sorts of things. The moon reflects the light of the sun. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we reflect his light. That's how we can be the light of the world as we reflect his light. Now, beloved, I don't have to tell you that we're living in a dark world, do I? We're living in a dark world. And we're reminded of that every day. And this dark world needs the light, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we need to be a bright light. We need to shine brightly for Jesus Christ. I thought about a song we sang growing up in church. Do you remember this song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. If you're not good at motions, that's one you can get. Just stick your finger up. <laughs> but then the next verse went, uh, one of the verses went, hide it under a bushel. No! Remember that? I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. We would add this verse to the church. I grew up uh, shining all over Gaston. That's the time we grew up. I'm going to let it shine. Shining all over Gaston. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Simple song. Simple message. Scripturally true. You are the light. Of the world. Put it on a lampstand. Not under a bushel. Now we do this as we live out our lives day in and day out for Jesus Christ. Listen. To shine brightly does not mean that you herald a trumpet. Or you wear a placard. Or you wave a banner. And say, look at me, I'm shining for Jesus. Over here. Right here, I'm shining. No. Please don't do that. At least not near me. We shine the brightest for Jesus when we're like Jesus in the normal, everyday, ordinary hours and moments of life. When we love like Jesus loves, when we respond like Jesus would, when we have the compassion of Jesus and the heart of Jesus and the mind of Jesus. When we live for Jesus every day, that's when we shine the brightest. Not taking out an ad in the newspaper saying, look at us, we're shining for Jesus. It's being the hands and feet of Jesus. It's sharing his message. Did you notice the goal of all of this in verse 16? I love this verse. It says, let your light so shine before men. So don't hide it under a bushel. Don't hide it under a basket. Don't try to diminish it. Don't just live out for Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you. No. What's it say? Glorify your Father in heaven. 
In other words, the reason you want to be pure salt and a bright light, not as everybody can say, hey, look at me. I'm pure salt and a bright light. No, it's saying, listen, I love Jesus. I live for Jesus. And someone looks at our lives as we're pure salt and a bright light and they glorify our father, which is in heaven. And again, this is not screaming, hey, watch me. I'm glorifying God here. No, it's just living out a consistent Christian life. We need consistent Christians today who are just going to live for Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to use your life, your mouth, your hands, your feet, your actions, your lifestyle to bring honor and glory to God. Beloved, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Are you pure salt? Are you a bright light? Or have you allowed some things to creep into your life that's diminished your impact? You're doing some things. You're going some places. You're partaking some things. And you have a, your conscience isn't clear about it. And you know maybe even they're wrong. You're doing some things that could hinder your testimony. It's time to give those up. Arthur McPhee put it so eloquently years ago. You are writing a gospel, a chapter each day. By the things that you do and the words that you say. Men read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? Do men read his truth and his love in your life? Or has yours been too full of malice and strife? Does your life speak of evil or does it ring true? Say, what is the gospel? According to you. See, my big fear, beloved, with friend day is that it becomes the only time that we're seeking to reach people for Christ. It's prime time for sure. And it's something we focus on and work hard at. And we pray God will use it. It's a reminder year after year after year. But the whole point of it, beloved, the Bible tells us that we're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. All the time. So I want to encourage you to shine brightly for Jesus. Be salty for Jesus, if you will. Flavor where you live. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works. And they glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Would you bow your head and close your eyes in these last moments together? Nobody looking around, nobody shuffling papers, nobody packing up to go home. Just a quiet moment between you and the Lord. I want to ask you to consider this. Is there anything in your life, Christian, that you need to get right about with God? Is God the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart about anything that's not right? Would you get right about it now? The Bible says we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He desires to make you pure and clean and put you in a right fellowship with him. Would you take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart? Would you do business with God today? And now as we talk about sharing our faith, while your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed. Has God burdened you to reach out to somebody this week? We've got a wonderful opportunity with this friend day. Has God burdened your heart about them? Would you write their name on that little bookmark that you've got? Begin praying for them. And praying that God will give you courage and wisdom to reach out to them. 
We've asked you to consider two or three names, maybe. Those who don't know Jesus, those you're not sure they know Jesus. You know, they don't go to church anywhere. You know that they need Jesus. Who would God burden you about today? I would encourage you to jot those names down and pray for them this week and invite them. Let us help you pray for them. Write their names on that slip and give it to us as you leave today. But I also invite you, if you'd like to, as we sing a closing song, to come and pray for them by name. The altar is open today and we're going to sing in closing the name, the song, Take the Name of Jesus with you. But this week, let's be pure salt and bright light as God enables us, as God helps us. And we know we can't do this on our own. We do it as we allow the Holy Spirit to live his life through us, Jesus' life through us. Would you allow him to use you? Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you that you have chosen to use us. We don't understand that. Father, we fail, we falter, we fumble the ball so many times. We mess up. We hurt our testimonies. We sin. We fail. Yet you chose us to be the light bearers. To be the light of the world as we reflect your light. Father, just as you used those early disciples, you desire to use us. And I pray, Lord, that we will be usable. We will submit, surrender our lives to you. And pray, Lord, that you would live your life through us for your honor and your glory. Help us to always choose to put the light of Christ in our life and not hide it, not diminish it. To put it on a lampstand as we live consistent Christian lives day in and day out. And may our focus always be what the scripture says. That people may see us and glorify you. It's not about us. As we sang earlier, let's forget about ourselves and magnify your name and worship you. And so, Father, do in your way, in your will, that which only you can do right now, I pray, for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 576 is our closing song, and I would be remiss to not extend an invitation to you if you're not saved today. We'd love to share the gospel with you. I'll be down at the front. I'd love to welcome you and put you with someone who will share Christ with you. But the primary invitation today is if you'd like to come and call out names to the Lord and pray that he would help you this week. Maybe you've already invited these folks. Maybe you're going to invite them this week. But you would come and pray. 576, take the name of Jesus with you. The altar is open. You come and pray today as we say.